Good morning, everyone. How's it going? This is the Go Long Podcast. Thank you so much for making time here and over at Go Long. Greatly appreciate everyone who subscribes, who reads. Well, you never really know when something you write, when something that's said on a podcast is going to catch on and spark a flame to create a wildfire in the interwebs, but apparently that's what happened a couple nights ago into Friday morning. So all of you hopefully were able to catch the Isaiah McKenzie happy hour and heard Isaiah over an hour and a half. He was phenomenal, honest, transparent as always. I thought he really did such a great job of breaking down how his role within the offense was believed to be one thing. Cole Beasley's replacement in the slot, he won that slot job, and then it became something else into the regular season where that slot position, it frankly didn't really exist in 2022 like it did in 2019, 2020, 2021 with Cole Beasley, really representing the Buffalo Bills rushing game. I mean, they didn't have a top 20 back uh, to lean on. So they really were using Beasley underneath. Four yards here, seven yards here, 14 yards there, third down, where's Cole Beasley? And that was the lifeblood of the Buffalo Bills offense at its peak in so many ways. So they signed Jameson Crowder. They bring back Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie sticks around for much less money because he's going to have a chance to compete for that slot job. And as Isaiah said, he really wasn't used in that role. Um You know, if they were going to have a receiver inside from the slot position, run those option routes where you kind of, you go up 10 yards or so, eight yards, turn left, turn right, based on the coverage, man, zone, and Josh Allen hits you, and he can hit you. He can even wait that split second because he has such a strong arm. They'd bring Stephon Diggs in for those, and Isaiah McKenzie would more so be clearing out routes. They used his speed to open up routes for others, which he wasn't thrilled about, but he accepted. Uh, Isaiah said he didn't really make a stink about it behind the scenes. And hey, he wasn't perfect. He gave himself a C plus, as you heard. Uh, I think Pro Football Reference had him down for six drops. The Kansas City game was particularly ugly. In retrospect, Isaiah shouldn't have been even playing in that game. He had the concussion against Baltimore, set out against Pittsburgh, came back against Kansas City. He really should have just sat out that Kansas City game and given himself a full month to heal from a concussion that literally knocked him out. He could not move for a short amount of time there laying on the the turf in Baltimore. So that didn't help. But yeah, the role of the slot receiver in this offense just, just wasn't really what it was before, frankly. Now, why is all this relevant? Because eventually it caught up to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Eventually, this attack on offense, when you're taking shots downfield, hey, I get it. Ken Dorsey, this is your shot to be an offensive coordinator. You've got a chance to call plays, build an offense in your image. Um, Probably... It's the fault of all of us in the media. It's the fault of fans. A lot of players probably felt the same way. Everybody just assumed Ken Dorsey would run the same exact offense as Brian Dable. But no, these guys have been dying for an opportunity like this to put their imprint 
on an NFL offense, let alone a Ken Dorsey who was one of the more most decorated college quarterbacks of all time, spent time in Carolina around Cam Newton, waited his time in Buffalo. So this is his chance, and that was his trademark, whereas Dayball was more about kind of getting guys loose underneath and taking shots here and there selectively. And that's how I believe, and as Kurt Warner has said several times on this program, a lot of people believe you got to win in the playoffs because the window's tightened. This is when defensive coordinators are busting out their best stuff. It's harder to make a living with the big play, being reliant on the long ball, being reliant on an athletic quarterback, right? Like a, a Colin Kaepernick a decade ago, or if you want to use Lamar Jackson now, that's the argument for against Lamar Jackson is, well, yeah, he's great in the regular season, but can this really work in the postseason? Can you win three, four games in a row um, with a quarterback who, yeah, he might have this physical freakish trait, but we've seen with Tom Brady, it pays to just stand in the pocket, read a defense, take what's given to you, death by a million paper cuts, and work your way down the field. So, it all came to a head against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bills were unable to get those deeper routes working on a slippery, snowy terrain, which leads to the firestorm on the internet. Isaiah McKenzie saying they could have beaten the Cincinnati Bengals in a dome, and he blamed the snow. Well, for full context, I just thought it'd be worth having a, a podcast episode here Um to break it down, and hey, let's listen to Isaiah McKenzie exactly on that point. Here's Isaiah in his words, in case you missed it. Here, You mentioned the Bengals game. What the hell happened? I was talking to Taiwan Jones a little bit after. He's like, man, we had the deer in the headlight look. And obviously, you guys went through so much as a team. You can't overlook you know, a teammate's heart stopping. But he just said it was a different vibe. Nobody was just Nobody could just wake up and get going that day. I tell you, I tell you this, that snow had a lot to do with it. And the reason being because we had like, come on, let's be real. We we all know Buffalo, our run game wasn't the best run game. Like, like our run game was passes underneath and let's let's get Cole Beasley or me, whatever, five yards, 10 yards, and let's let's work with that. Right. And then hey, we'll hand the singletary every now and then, make a big run and whatnot. But you know, we didn't have a run game. The snow was a big deal because we passed the ball. We throw the ball. Like, no way. Like, you you turn on any Buffalo game, and this ball is being put in the air 45, 50 times a game. And that's just what that's just what Buffalo did. So going into that game, it was like the only reason I can agree with uh Taiwan is because like we know we knew what we did best. We throw the ball. Josh has to throw this ball. Receiver has to run these routes. Like that's what we did. So when it started snowing on the ground, it like and it and it kept snowing. It was like okay, this best game. And everybody says, oh, the Bengals. You know, the Bengals caught the ball. They ran. They you know, Joe Burrow threw the ball just fine. The receivers caught the ball just fine, right? But Joe Burrow and Josh are two different type of guys. You know what I'm saying? Josh has a, a cannon, and that's how he throws the football. You know what I'm saying? I don't. You know, Josh. A touch every now and then, but Josh wants to sling the sling the football, and that was kind of tough for him. You know, what I'm saying getting them, getting the balls in the 
right spots and you know receivers getting open because of the routes we run and the Bengals ran basic routes maybe we should have did that you know ran basic routes like out routes go balls you know instead of running routes that you know you have to be going lateral or coming back to the football or turning running curls and things like that but um that snow had a lot to do with it and if we were in the dome it would have been a totally different game or if it was the, like the first Bengals game it would have been a totally different game Right, but once we got down fourteen, I everybody kind of like it's like ah. Uh, yeah, isn't it kind of crazy though? I mean, you live in Western New York. There's snowstorms all the time. You think, you know, the roster and the game plan, everything would be built through the lens of we've got to win in that kind of atmosphere. We live in Buffalo for crying out. It's gonna happen. You're gonna have to yeah. win in the cold and the snow. Yeah. Well. I, Hey, yeah. we already got to find a way. We dumb says all the time, find a way. And I don't, I don't. To be honest, I don't. I can't, I can't tell you what that way is at this point because I've been in every which way possible. And I, and we, you know, Buffalo, you know, that we always felt short. You know, whether it's like I said, thirteen seconds losing the AFC Championship is like finding a way. Yeah, we find a way to get to those games. Okay, so that was Isaiah McKenzie on his happy hour with Go Long subscribers a week ago. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's saying a quiet part out loud, which is why we love Isaiah. Look, if you want the sanitized cliches, please go elsewhere. He'll uh, always be keeping it honest with us at Go Long, and, and hopefully we can keep these conversations going. Isaiah McKenzie obviously assigned with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we'll get his perspective from time to time out there. But, yeah, sometimes the truth hurts. I get it when you hear that initially and you see snow and buffalo and you remember just them physically getting beat up in that game. It's going to sound like a lame excuse, as Parstool put it. Uh, I I, th- I think he's just being, being honest that the Bills were not equipped to play in the elements, to play in those conditions. They're an offense from an X's and O standpoint that can get a lead, as we've said, stomp all over your grave, have the time of their lives, win these blowouts if everything's perfect and climate controlled because they've got the weapons, they've got the quarterback, but they never were really equipped to play a mentally and physically tough team like the Cincinnati Bengals in the snow. It's crazy. You live here. These are the elements that forced you to go full planes, trains, and automobiles all over the country a couple times this past season. But they they didn't have the personnel to line up with a couple of tight ends and just run downhill. Nor did they have the passing game personnel at that point. At that point, it's, you know, your identity is set. You you don't have the slot receiver. You know, you're not going to be able to just feed somebody underneath 10 times a game, 10 targets a game. Um, they, they never really tried to get Isaiah McKenzie going, and he was unbelievably open about that. And, and we really broke it down uh, at a column at the site. If you, if you want to check it out, subscribe. Um, I, th- I thought that. It was really telling that they just, under Ken Dorsey, didn't, didn't want that player, right? They, they, they just would rather 
take the shots down the field. And here's what, pull it up here. Here's what Isaiah said. Um, I'll just kind of repeat what he said in the story. Quote, it wasn't the same offense from when Beasley was there to when I was there. It was more Isaiah, take the top off, be a decoy. We'll get you in where you fit in. I was like, okay, that's not really working for me because I'm just clearing the top off for Gabe. Every now and then you'll throw a ball deep here or there, but I'm not really getting this ball like Cole Beasley was. I'm not really running the option routes. I'm not really running the return routes. I'm not really running read routes. I'm not really running the plays that you guys had for Cole Beasley. And I understand that we're two different guys. Cole is quick and very lateral. I'm more vertical, but I felt I could do those things. I just never got the opportunity. I probably got a chance here and there, but that's not enough because you've got to let a guy go through their hiccups. He continued. He gave himself a C plus on the season. I wasn't the most consistent, but I felt like as things went on that I'd get better if we were to call the plays differently and not try to take shots every time or give me the ball in different ways underneath, over the top, in the backfield. It works. It worked in years past, but I can't say it's Buffalo's fault. Some of it's mine, some of it's play calling, a little bit of everybody's, but I felt like I was the guy who was going to get bounced around if anything. They felt like I can do this with Isaiah and he's going to accept it because that's the type of guy I am. You're going to bench me. Okay. I've got to accept that. You're not going to play me this game. Okay. I've got to accept that. You want me to go out there and do this? Okay, I've got to accept that. I had to accept whatever they wanted me to do, and they thought, he won't mind. Let's just get him out of here. Quote, I just do my job, and whatever you see or whatever you don't see, do what you want with it. I'm not going to sit here and beg you to give me more money or beg you to give me the ball or beg you to start running these types of plays or beg you to, I don't know, I'm not a beggar. Okay, so my point in reciting what Isaiah McKenzie said is not necessarily to review and overanalyze, over-dissect the usage of Isaiah McKenzie in this offense. It's more so, I think it's emblematic of everything Ken Dorsey's mentally processing right now this offseason. You need to evolve. You need to change. You need to use your personnel to the best of their ability. That wasn't the case last year. You, you traded for Naeem Hines. I think he had, what, 13 touches in 11 games, barely a part of the offense, even though you saw his ability on those two kick return touchdowns against New England, and you saw it in Indianapolis the last four or five years. One of the best receiving backs in football, and I I get it, you got to get up to speed in the playbook, but let's not make football more complicated than it is. Just, Just show him how to run a play and let him do his thing. Use your players. The more you think about it, the more this team, they might have had the talent to win a Super Bowl last year. They just weren't used the right way. Whether it's Isaiah, Naeem Hines, even a James Cook. I mean, he almost averaged six yards a carry, and he had, I think, five carries a game. So to Brandon Bean's credit and the front office, they've got the players to win, in theory, a game in the snow. In 2023, Damian Harris is a bull, a two-down back. You lived it if you're Buffalo. He's had some good games against the Bills. You bring in Latavius Murray for a little veteran insurance. You still have Hines. You still have James Cook. You draft an offensive lineman who's, the scouts say, aggressive, violent, tough. You know, Maybe he gives you something on the line at guard. And then obviously Dalton Kincaid is 
now the player, you're hoping takes advantage of things in the middle of the field. Um, you're kind of swapping the five foot eight Cole Beasley, five foot eight Isaiah McKenzie for a six four, what, two forty seven, two forty eight Dalton Kincaid. I mean, yeah, it should work. Him, Dawson Knox, in conjunction with each other, just wreaking havoc, getting every possible matchup you could want, work in the middle of the field. You still have a an X and Stephon Diggs who you hope has a few good years left still, or at least one or two. Gabe Davis, um, like Isaiah, scapegoated here and there. The drops weren't pretty. I, I'm not ready to give up on Gabe Davis. I, I still think he's got a ton of potential. Uh, the ankle injury maybe was a little more serious than he or the team wanted to believe or wanted to, to lead us on. Give, give him a shot there still on the other side. Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, two smart fringe free agent signings who could give you a lot in return. What about Khalil Shakir? Showed a little potential. What about Justin Shorter out of Florida? I mean, there are a lot of weapons on this offense, but it's going to be incumbent upon Ken Dorsey to reincorporate a short to intermediate passing game in some form or fashion. Get one or two or three of these guys going on some layups because those layups that's what wins you Super Bowls. That's how Tom Brady gets to 14 conference championship games and wins seven Super Bowls. Tom Brady didn't do it because he's running a 4-4. Tom Brady didn't do it because he can throw the ball 60 yards, 70 yards. Tom Brady did it because he is mentally analyzing your defense in real time, knows exactly where that weakness is going to be, that pocket in your defense. You cannot cover every square inch of a football field. The smartest defensive coordinators just can't do it. He's going to find that weakness, and he's going to attack. Patrick Mahomes, as gifted as he is physically, let's not forget he was on one good leg last year in the playoffs, and he still won a Super Bowl because he has that element to his game. He's developing it. I think Josh Allen is smart, and and I had somebody tell me he's got a videographic memory, um, and he wasn't great in that Cincinnati game. Don't get me wrong. He, he missed some stuff, obviously, but you got to help him out. You have to get his confidence going on some shorter passes. Those receivers' confidence going on those shorter passes. I mean, they they never really did it with Isaiah McKenzie. Things snowballed downhill, and after having the training camp he did, where he was the star of training camp, you know, he he had his moments. Don't get me wrong. He he had the touchdown against the Rams and uh, a touchdown against Detroit on Thanksgiving. He he had some really good moments where you saw it. But he never was able to get that confidence on the option routes, the read routes that Cole Beasley got. So I think it's smart to maybe not necessarily cookie cutter try to find yourself the next Beasley. Find yourself a Dalton Kincaid, a receiving tight end who is going to be hell for linebackers to cover, for safeties to cover anybody. Um, they if, if you don't have an athletic tight end, you better be looking for one. Um, that's hopefully a takeaway you have reading the blood and guts. And, and Tony Gonzalez at the turn of the century, he is the one that really forced the NFL to evolve. Forced the NFL to look themselves in the mirror and say, things are changing. Sorry, Mike Malarkey. I know you're showing all these tight ends, the clips of Mark Bruner and all of your bruisers of Pittsburgh Steelers past that we love. Hey, you got to love those tight ends. And I talked to Bruner for the book. He was great. As, as much as you love that tight end, the game was changing. Tony Gonzalez forced football to change. 
and a completely different physical specimen was born. The 6'4", 6'5", tight end, who's a little too short to do damage on the basketball court. You parachute him onto a football field, and good luck trying to win a jump ball if you're a 5'10 corner, a 6-foot safety, whatever. It's, it's child's play. And these DBs had no answer for the duration of Tony Gonzalez's career. Dante Whitner said, I knew exactly what was coming. And this is when Gonzalez was in Atlanta with Malarkey, who they're not using him the right way. <coughs> and he said, I, I couldn't stop it. He'd, he'd run 10, 12 yards. You knew that out route was coming. You knew where he was going to cut. And there was nothing you could do because physically it was impossible to stop. If the ball placement is there, if it's timed, timed up perfectly, there's nothing you can do because this athletic tight end is built literally different. And that's where it's kind of sad when you look at Tony Gonzalez's career because in, in Kansas City, early with Jimmy Ray as offensive coordinator, they did use him in the slot, out wide, all over the place. Uh, but, but even some of his better statistical seasons with the Chiefs, with Dick Vermeil, it, it wasn't a tight end friendly offense. That, that's what kind of blew my mind. It was very wide receiver friendly. It was the St. Louis Rams offense with Al Saunders. They, they weren't emphasizing the tight end. And then you're going through the Brody Croyles and the Tyler Thigpens and all of the, the Damon Hewards, the bad quarterback play that he dealt with. You finally get to Atlanta. You get with a Matt Ryan and Mike Malarkey has you lead blocking and playing in line and showing you those Bruner clips and wants you to be a tight end. That's what Malarkey told me. It's tight. There's a reason that word's there. He kept him after practice. He had the tight ends uh, blasting into a, a backup defensive tackle just to try to toughen him up. And, and Tony at one point threw his arms up and said, I'm getting the hell out of here. What are you doing? They just didn't really realize what they had. And Malarkey didn't. And Gonzalez. And he forced the league to evolve. It came to a head in that visitor's locker room at Tampa Bay when Malarkey was the offensive coordinator, the play caller, Nothing's really on the line other than trying to get a ninth win on that season last game of the year. They were eliminated from the playoffs. And Gonzalez never got catch number 1,000. He did get it later, but he didn't get in that game. And it got ugly in the locker room. Uh, Mike Malarkey extended a hand, had a, according to Gonzalez, shitty grin on his face, said great game, and Tony and Mike almost went at it. Tony said he, he had to be held back by teammates, that he was ready to just start throwing punches. Mike told me that that's not true, but then Mike kind of paused and in so many words said, yeah, he was ready to throw down if Tony wanted to throw down, but he saw Arthur Blank, the owner, across the room and didn't really want to take it to that level. And he denies that he iced Tony out to his credit, but it, it should have never have gotten to that point, is my point. It, it should have never have gotten to that point. If you see you have a Tony Gonzalez, you recognize the game is changing, you lean into that because we all saw what happened through the duration of Tony's career and after. Antonio Gates is found. Jimmy Graham, you know, he has a college basketball career. Before he played one down of football, his one season of college football, Bill Belichick has the foresight to think, holy cow. This is the future. And offered Jimmy a spot on his practice squad after a tryout. Uh, Jimmy Graham had so many options. He could have played basketball overseas, made a ton of money. He Part of him wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Uh, he could have played the year of college football as a, as a graduate. Um, 
you know, with the new rules that they put in place. Remember Greg Paulus, right? He played a year of football for Syracuse after his Duke basketball career around the same time. Or he could have taken that offer from Bill Belichick after Matt Patricia worked him out and just stuck around and learned on the practice squad. So he played the one year of college football, caught all of 18 passes. Belichick, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, he thought he was going to be a Raven. They loved him. A lot of the Miami Dolphins, Bill Parcells recognized. They all wanted him, but they wanted him in that fourth round range. Sean Payton knew that. Him and Bill Parcells are unbelievably close. Talked about him. And so Payton kind of abandoned the draft board and took Jimmy Graham in the third round. And then Jimmy Graham proceeded to change football. And right now, you you need that athletic tight end. And the Bills, they have one in Dawson Knox. For where they drafted him, he has been... Way more than anything you could have expected. He's one of the two players that Brandon Bean has drafted has gotten to that second contract. This is only going to help Knox to have a Dalton Kincaid. Two tight ends working the middle of the field should do glorious things. Because, look, you still have to give a lot of attention to Stephon Diggs. If you're getting Diggs in full, (laughs) Isaiah says not to worry about the tweets and the interviews and anything he's put into the atmosphere. He thinks that Steph being Steph, and he just has to get stuff off his chest and you just kind of let him go. Let him be a free bird, he said. Um, if you're getting Stephon Diggs in his prime still, you, you're going to have to tilt a little attention his way, which is going to open things up for Knox and Kincaid. And you hope Gabe Davis stays healthy. So this is a team and an offense, I think, can win a Super Bowl. I mean, I'm sold. They, they still have Josh Allen. They've got a lot of veterans that... You need it in a locker room. I think a Deontay Hardy. I think a Trent Sherfield, a Damian Harris, a Naeem Hines. These are guys that are going to help you in the locker room too. It's all on Ken Dorsey to somehow make sure all of these pieces are working together in unison and, and not just be so reliant on the big play and going downfield. You, you want that. It's a big play league. I get it. But Dable was more about getting the ball to the playmakers and letting them run after the catch. That, that, that really wasn't Dorsey's thing. So Isaiah loves Dorsey. He said, hey, I love him. I love him. Um, and he thinks he'll grow. He thinks he'll evolve. He thinks he'll change. So right now it might not seem like a lot's happening in pro football. A lot's happening. I think that a Ken Dorsey in Buffalo, a Joe Barry in Green Bay, a Todd Munkin in Baltimore, a Brian Flores in Minnesota, these guys are burning the midnight oil, uh, plotting and scheming. They're probably watching all 17 opponents on film like crazy. You have to do it right now. You can't wait until the week of to somehow get an edge uh, with your game plans, your offense, your defense. And in Buffalo, you have a team that can win it all. You have the Super Bowl window wide open. Ken Dorsey is the most important non-player at one Bills drive this season. So... Check out the story if you can. Uh, We get into a lot of this and a lot more at golongtd.com. It's for subscribers, so we would love it if you chose to upgrade. Thank you for doing that. Greatly appreciate you all joining the community. I had an awesome conversation with Tiki Barber. Um, You can catch it here on the podcast feed or the written Q&A over at the website as well. We've got a lot more content pumping next week as I hit the road. Going to hit up some uh, OTAs, mini camps uh, through May through June. More detail on all of that very soon. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening, rating, reviewing, sharing. Have a great weekend.